With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest Baseball Podcast. We call it The Porch with Luke Lipsius VFL. He's going to be on the show here in uh, about 10 or 15 minutes or so, as we do each and every week. I start us off here, give us a rundown of the week and kind of where Tennessee baseball is, and then we get to our guy, Luke Lipsius, for the second half of the show. A lot of good things to say this week from the BFL, and uh, really appreciate you guys for being here and uh, being a part of the porch. Really, really appreciate it. Couldn't do it without Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers that specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. And uh, you can give them a follow, on, uh, or you can give them a call for a free consultation today at 423-245-4185, or visit them online at SpiveyKingandSpiveyLLP.com. Big week coming up, man. We continue to say this. They're all big in the SEC. I understand that. It just means more. But coming off a uh, back-to-back SEC series with a 1-2 and two record, right? So you, you fell on the road at LSU, number one, uh, two games to one. You fell back at home to number three, Florida, two games to one. And, and both kind of mirrored each other, right? You, you had self-inflicting errors, and that's the reason you lost at LSU. And, and then against Florida, you had... You had bad, imp- you had bad starting pitching at times, right? Chase Dolander, sure he gave up a couple home runs, but his pitch count was just so high, and Florida took advantage of it, right? And then Chase uh, Chase Burns, unfortunately, just uh, he's just really struggling right now, and that was the reason that Florida was able to you know sprint, run away with Game Two of that series. Hey, credit Drew Beam, I uh, didn't think he had his best stuff at LSU, but boy, he was magnificent in Game Three on Saturday against Florida, and it gave Tennessee exactly what it needed. The bats exploded. Griffin Merritt got out of his uh, slump with a monster day in Game 3. That continued over to the midweek um, you know, against Eastern Kentucky, and so that was really good to see because, of course, you need that that power right-handed bat. So um, that's kind of where you are right now. This is a monstrous season or series coming up for Tennessee because you, over the next two, this gauntlet, four-game stretch, right, at LSU, at home against Florida, at Arkansas, at home against Vanderbilt, and so far, you're you're two and four in those series. You you need to really go three and three, you know, in these next two series, in my opinion. Four and two would be fantastic, but you can't lose these these next six games, in in my opinion. You need to stay afloat. You want to stay in the race of obviously getting to the postseason play, which I think Tennessee will. Don't get me wrong, but you also want to be in the picture of maybe hosting a regional because right now you're not hosting a regional, and you don't need to worry about that right now, but. Uh, you need to you need to be winning you know some of these series. And I think Tennessee has an excellent opportunity uh, to to get a winning series here this weekend at Arkansas. Top to bottom, it is it is a tough, typical Arkansas ball club. Don't get me wrong. Now they have dealt with some injuries. Tennessee is getting them without uh, two outstanding relievers and the ace of its staff. You know Jackson Wiggins is out for the year. He was the ace of the starting pitching staff. Their closer Brady Taggart is out for I think until until May. Um, yeah, he's out until May, and uh, he's their 
You know, their their dynamite closer, one of the best relievers in all of college baseball. And then, you know, their best middle relief guy coming over from Nebraska is Cody Frank, and he's out probably until or he's out for the year as well. So they've got three guys, two relievers, a closer, and a starter that are a big part of the success and the identity of who Arkansas is that are not going to be playing this weekend. And so, you know, Tennessee will try to exploit that, right? I mean, the the starting pitching has been, you know, kind of all over the place right now. In the absence of Jackson Wiggins, uh, Arkansas's turned to a um, a Friday night guy in Hunter Holland, who's who's been pretty solid. He's got a three ERA for sure. He's you know started all eight games or had eight appearances, started all of those so far this season. And as I mentioned, a three ERA. He's not walked an awful lot. He struck out a lot more uh, than he's walked. And kind of their number two guy um, has been Will McIntyre, and he's he's got an ERA north of five. Five and so there's opportunity there, and then because of the injury situation, you really don't have a solidified number three starter. Hagen Smith's a guy that started five games this year. Uh, Cody Adcock's a guy that started three games this year, but he's been used a ton out of the pen as well. And we'll have to see exactly what those projected starters are. Uh, and I'll I, uh, I'll find those out on Thursdays and I put them in my preview. And even those are still just projections, but in talking with some people, I always put those in my previews on Thursdays. Uh, that will come out on, on Friday morning before the series starts. So we'll see. I think Tennessee has an excellent opportunity to work down that starting pitching, get into the bullpen, and and try to take advantage of this because there is no Frank, there is no Taggart, there is no Wiggins. They're short man, they're short-staffed in terms of the arms. If Tennessee's bats can work deep into accounts and do what teams have been doing against Chase Dolander for sure, um, I, I think that's going to help Tennessee out an awful lot against the fifth-ranked team in the nation uh, that being Arkansas. Hey, Arkansas is just solid, right? Uh, Twenty-six and six overall in the season, uh, twenty-one and two at home. Have only lost two games uh, at, the, at the home ball field, and they're eight and four uh, so far in conference play. Uh, Jace Brofin is a guy that Tennessee, Bo, Bofrin, yeah, Bofrin is a guy that Tennessee's going to have to watch out for for sure. He's got seven long balls. He's driven in almost thirty runs on the season, but he's hitting he's hitting over four hundred, a four eighteen. Doing a really, really nice job that regard. Eight doubles on the season, an extra base machine. He's walked 22 times and struck out 22 times so far this season. So pretty solid across the board in that regard. Power hitter is Jared Wagner. Uh, 12 home runs, 44 ribbies, leads the team in both of that category. He's also hitting 351, so nothing to slouch at. In total, one, two, three, four, five. Five players are hitting 300 or over. One player, as I mentioned, uh, at the top is hitting 418. Got Kendall Diggs, who's hitting 347. Uh, Tavian Josberger is hitting 347. Peyton Stovall's hitting 302. Um, it's just a really solid lineup in terms of the order. So there's not many holes in that order. And Josenberger's the guy you got to watch out for on the base paths. He's stolen seven of, of 10 attempts on the season so far. But I mean, look at, I mean, they all, they all will test Tennessee. Uh, Bofrin has stolen three bags in five attempts. Wagner stolen three bags in three attempts. Uh, Josenberger's stolen seven bags in ten attempts. Slavens has stolen three bags in three attempts. Bolton has stolen two bags in two attempts. Stovall has stolen two bags in two attempts. Like they don't run an awful lot, but when they do, super effective and super efficient on the base pass is uh, Arkansas. So. We'll see exactly what this looks like for Tennessee. It's going to be another challenge, but Tennessee has got to work deep into counts. Tennessee has got to get in that bullpen. And if you have an offensive showing like you did on Thursday, it doesn't even have to be that great, right? But if you just have a better approach at the plate and don't strike out in double figures, don't have 18 strikeouts and 14 strikeouts, 
I think that can go a long way. Of these series coming up, when you take into account LSU and Florida and Vanderbilt, as crazy as it sounds, I think Tennessee has an excellent opportunity to pull off a series win, more so than against any of these other four, three teams at Arkansas this week. The environment's going to be critical. Two skippers don't like each other. Two fan bases don't like each other. We'll hear from Luke about um, he didn't play there. He was injured, but uh, he knows all about that environment. We'll hear from Luke here in just a moment. It's going to be tough. You've really got to just take one game at a time, one at bat at a time, and play your brand of baseball. And, and Tony said this on uh, on Tuesday and, and a little bit after the end of the series, but playing at Grand Canyon, playing at LSU, it's prepared them for this moment. Each venue is a little bit different, but it's definitely prepared them for this moment. And so we'll see what happens. It's going to be a challenge. But the biggest question I have, and this is the overarching theme of the week, and we'll talk a little bit about it with Luke as well. What is Tennessee going to do with its starting pitching? Dolander is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He has not pitched his best so far this season. We know that, but he's still, his stuff is there and he's given you something to work with and he's given you an opportunity to win baseball games. Dolander is going to stay in that rotation. Drew Beam, when he's not making errors on the mound, uh, really, I think he's been, I think he's been solid this season. He's been a nice stopgap each of the past two weeks, even though he wasn't his best at LSU. Drew Beam, especially after last week's outing, is not going anywhere. Does Tennessee make a move with Chase Burns? I wrote my 3-2-1 earlier this week that I I think it's time to make a change. I think it's time to make a move. And knowing that Chase Burns is still going to be a high draft pick, he's still super talented. He can still help their team out so much this year, even back as a starter. But I think a week or two off, a, spot or a start or two off would do wonders for him right now. I mean, facts of the matter is, guys, he's got an 11-plus ERA in SEC play. That's that's just that's that's hurting everything. He is being pounded for extra base hits. Listen to this, guys. I dropped this in the three, two, one, and it's staggering. And four conference starts this season. The right-hander, uh, that being Chase uh, Burns, has surrendered twenty-five runs across seventeen innings and a third. Two of those runs are unearned. So twenty-three runs have been earned across seventeen and a third innings pitch. Wow. He's been pounded for eighteen extra base hits during the stretch. Of those 18 extra base hits, eight home runs and 10 doubles. The strikeouts have still been there, but his his walks have increased a little bit as well. So, and again, I'm not trying to say Chase Dolan or Drew Beam are absent of blame because they're not, but they're not in a rough stretch right now like Chase Burns is. So, if I was pulling the strings, if I was managing this baseball team, I would make a move and I would skip Chase Burns to start this week. Now, if that happens, and it might not happen, I spoke to some people earlier in the week, and you know they said that if it's happening, we don't know about it right now. I've spoken to some people as the week has gone on, and the and the uh, the feedback I've gotten is like, hey, you know, Frank Anderson and Tony Vitell, they keep all that close to the vest, which I understand, right? Uh, but they keep everything really, really close, and then they they let it be known, you know, right up and right up before the series starts. I think with pitching, though, you know, it you still. You got to get bullpens in there. You got to get side work in there. And if if your start is pulled or if you're going to be a starter or whatever, maybe that alters a little bit. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I hope to have a better understanding than I do at the time of this recording by the time the series starts on Friday. Hopefully, it's some notes for the War Room coming up later this week. And I, and I probably will. Um, you know, but we will see what happens. Tennessee could roll with these three guys and not make a change because of the belief in these three guys and the belief in Chase Burns and knowing what he can do. I could also see them skipping 
Burns a start and replacing him with one of the options they have in the bullpen, right? You've got Andrew Lindsay. You've got Seth Halverson. You've got Cannon Sewell. You have Xander Seacrest. All four of those guys could be starting elsewhere if push came to shove. You know, a lot of teams across the country. Seth Halverson was the number one starter from Missouri a couple years ago. Andrew Lindsay has starter stuff. Cannon Sewell has started for this team and started and pitched five innings, I believe, of shutout baseball, maybe one run baseball, can't remember, in the SEC championship game, the tournament championship game last May. Um, Xander Seacrest has not been a weekend starter, but he's a guy that can do that if you need it, right? You have these options. And so the more and more that Chase Burns is struggling, the worse it kind of looks knowing you have these options. What happens, though? How do you do it? Do you mix it up? Do you move Doe back to maybe Saturday? Do you leave Doe at game one and Beam at game one and just simply, you know, change out Burns in game two? Do you bring Burns in behind as a piggyback? That's what I would do regardless um, of kind of the order, I would bring Burns in behind whoever is taking his start, and I would pitch him multiple innings and keep him involved because I want him back in the starting rotation before it's postseason time, right? So that's kind of what I would do. Um, I would not be shocked whatsoever if they slide Doe back to Saturday and they just try to shake it shake it all up just to try to just try something, right? You're seeing it with the lineup all, all year long that – you know, Tony's not afraid just to try anything. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they shake it up. Um, if you see a new starter on Friday, do on Saturday, beam on Sunday. If you see Andrew Lindsay get the first couple innings, I, I think that is one that makes sense to me. Um, Cannon Sewell again and Seth Halverson. That way you don't mess with the Halverson and, and, and Dolander dynamic. But we'll have to see. I'll gain a better understanding as the week goes on. But I, I think you might see a change this weekend simply because, again, how can you put Burns back out there right now with how poorly he's pitching? I'm not trying to I'm – I'm really not trying just to, just to pile on here uh, because I know how good he is and I know how good he can be. And, and, again, I personally want him back in the rotation because I think he's that good. But just right now you're going through it, right? And you're not helping anybody. So we will see what happens. We'll get uh, Luke Lipsius' thoughts on that here in just a moment. But that's the overarching theme uh, asked Tony about it Tuesday after the game, and he literally the biggest sidestep of to that question in the world. When he was honest and open about it uh, last Friday night after Burns' last star, pretty much said, you know, the question was, what's it going to take for someone's start to be pulled or skipped next rotation? And he, he was like, a, a, a night like this. I mean, he was kind of open about it post game after Burns' last start and asking him after the Eastern Kentucky game earlier this week. Uh, Tony was very, very noncommittal, sidestepped it completely. Go back and check that transcript. I didn't have time to cut that up, though, and I do apologize. I should have played it here, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a challenge. Tennessee is going to have to weather the storm, weather the emotions. Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson are also going to have to weather the storm, weather their emotions, and going into uh, Arkansas. And on that note, boy, Logan Chambers went yard on Tuesday. Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, Tennessee's going to need everybody. Sam Smith asked me in the uh, the VolQuest chat earlier this week, what would my outfield look like? Well, Hunter Ensley's going to be out there. Uh, Griffin Merritt, if he's – I mean, obviously you got to ask the question, is he DHing, which I like him DHing on the road more than I do at home, to be completely honest because the park's a little smaller, and I think he can uh, run and make more plays at home than on the road. Um, but Griffin Merritt's an option now that he's hitting, obviously. C. Scott, I still want him out there. And then Tears. Tears is not hitting since coming back from his injury, but it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, uh, before you start seeing some extra base hits from Kavaris Tears as well. Um, so I, I, as far as starting, maybe game one, I'd have C. Scott in center, Inslee in left, and um, – 
tears and right with merits DHing, and that would mean Dickey's catching. And again, if Dickey's not catching, he's out there for sure. So you you have options here, which is good, but it's it's good that you have Griffin Merritt back uh, in the swing of things, no pun intended, because you need that right-handed bat in the order, in the heart of the order, and that's why they brought him here. So good midweek and good game three of the series against Florida. We'll see what happens, guys. Hopefully this is a Tennessee uh, series victory so we can you know, get some compelling baseball as the series goes on. You need to weather the storm in this gauntlet stretch, and Tennessee will be at Arkansas to kick things off Friday night. That game is going to be at 8 o'clock. It'll be on the SEC Network. Saturday night, it'll be at 7 o'clock and on the SEC Network+. Plus. And then on Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern on the SEC Network Plus as well. I'll have my full Arkansas preview coming up Friday morning at BallQuest.com, breaking down the pitchers, the the players to watch out for, uh, more of this discussion we're having on here, all that and more coming up at BallQuest.com in the weekly preview, plus some notes in the war room uh, coming up as well. All right, guys, we'll have Luke Lipsius join the show here for the second part of To the Porch, or On the Porch, excuse me, The Porch. There we go. Third time's a charm, but uh, as I stumble over the name of this podcast that I named, uh, do want to remind you guys, could not be possible without our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Uh, three partners doing an incredible service to East Tennessee, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. Hey, if you've got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family and law, personal injuries, examples of which can be DUI, homicide, assault. Uh, you've got personal injuries like car wrecks, accidents, stuff like that. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership since 2012. Also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. That is our friend Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Um they uh, practice primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas. The firm has won multiple awards over the years. Uh, I've been ready by super lawyers in the Mid-South for real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, you need a help in a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are there to help. Go see them in person, 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. That's 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Or give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. And you can always visit them online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. More of the porch with Luke Lipsius when we return. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Luke, Tennessee is, man, I mean, this, this stretch is, it is bonkers. It is so tough at LSU, back home against Florida, 
going to Arkansas now this week and then back home against Vanderbilt. And then, of course, there's some other challenges in the SEC later in the schedule as well. Um, how how tough is this? I know it's just easy to say life in the SEC, but, I mean, to, to gear up and and to play, you know, team after team that's in the top five, it's it's got to be a real – it's got to be really challenging for any team in the conference, right? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a gauntlet like no other. Usually you play the SEC, it seems like you get maybe two – really elite teams in a row and then have a somewhat of a break, but, you know, going one, two, three, four, um, unbelievable. And so it, it's almost like you're holding your breath, you know, you're going out there, you know, you have to face such, such tough competition. You got to bring your a game and it's just mentally taxing knowing you have to bring your best every single game. Um, and it could be putting pressure on them. Maybe they're not playing as loose, what have you. Um, but yeah, this, this stretch of, Four elite teams is incredible. Um, I'm hoping with these next two series, we can pull out uh, a few. You know, three would be nice. Four would be amazing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be up to the guys to to really come together and just grind it out because that's what it is. It's a grind. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of ask you. I mean, you know, with Tennessee dropping the series at LSU, obviously – you dropped this. You were swept by Missouri, but then you swept A&M, so those kind of cancel in my opinion. You, you drop the series at LSU. You drop a series to Florida. And credit Tennessee for coming back in Game Three and find a way not not to to be swept. But again, you you got to start winning some of these series. Um, kind of outside of the typical answers, like you try to win every single game. Is it is it trying to split these next six as, as you mentioned? Is it um, yeah, how, how can Tennessee kind of survive? Because right now you don't need to be thinking about regionals or anything, but you know, Tennessee's not hosting right now. Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, as an, a little aside, it looks like we are the best team in the nation on Sundays. And so I don't know what happens between Saturday night and Sunday morning, but something happens to the guys to where they play different and they play better and maybe they're looser and this and that and the other. Um, and if they could figure out how to do that every game, then we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how Tennessee is, um, struggling, you know, we'd be more hopeful, all that good stuff. Uh, but you know, it's, it's easy to say because they're winning, blah, 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 blah. Um, but as far as the next two series is, um, splitting would be, I don't want to say necessary, but you know, it, it keeps us in the race. And so the way I look at it, we are four series in, we got six left. Um, and so over those next six games, if we can get 10 wins, then we put ourselves in the perfect position going into playoffs. And I know it is a little bit early to be thinking about that, but that's kind of how they have to think about it. Um, is that just keep on collecting wins because especially with, uh, Arkansas Vandy, and then you got Kentucky at home, and then you got uh, going to South Carolina, who are both two very solid teams. You know, you only got breaks per se with Georgia and Mississippi State. And so you just got to look at it that you got to chip away. You know, you got to go into every place confident that you're going to win the series, which I'm always confident in the boys. But being realistic, if you get to that 15 win mark, you basically secure yourself a spot in the playoffs, especially with the strength schedule that Tennessee has. All right, so I'm going to save the the lead here for a couple of moments because I already spoke on it a little bit. But um, from your vantage point, and we'll talk pitching here in a second, but from your vantage point, Tennessee in games one and two against Florida, 
man, really struggled. Just swing and miss, swing and miss, and credit the Florida pitchers. I mean, they have some nasty stuff, and we knew that going in. Tied a program record for 18 strikeouts in game one, 14 strikeouts in game two. Kind of when you were watching, what was Tennessee doing wrong uh, in those at-bats before it completely flipped on uh, on game three where Tennessee walked 18 times, I think struck out only six times? Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned the stuff. The stuff is elite from those two guys. I did not see as much plate discipline as I would have liked to. I know that Sprout gets into some walking trouble. I think um, the Saturday guy does, too, a little bit. You saw it on Sunday um, with Caglione. He definitely gets into walking trouble. What it seemed to me is that we were taking good pitches and swinging at bad ones. And, you know, it's, it's one of those days or a couple of days where it seemed like uh, people are just in their heads. Maybe Florida's pitching plan was throwing us off a little bit. But when you see guys taking good pitches and swinging at bad ones, it means they're thinking too much. And I know V is always stressed. Hey, don't think in the box, blah, blah, blah. It's so tough when you're on TV playing Florida, this, that, and the other. Uh, but that's what I saw. You know, when they put swings on good pitches, they hit them far. Uh, but when you're swinging out of the zone and you're taking these good pitches for strikes, a team is going to capitalize like Florida, especially with the elite arms that they have. How weird was it seeing Christian Moore uh, in game one? He, he responded, got a couple hits as the series went on. He had a, he had a good midweek this past week, a three-run homer. But how weird was it seeing him go over five, four strikeouts? And I think all four of those were strikeouts looking, too. That's uh, That last part you said, the strikeouts looking is what can't happen. And it seemed like there was a lot of that, too, in that game. Um, you know, he get the, gets the sombrero, whatever. He comes back. That's great. If you're striking out four times and they're all looking, then I know you can say that, you know, they're balls. You can go back and check and see if they're actually balls, whatever. But you have to make an adjustment. Now, you might be allowed two or whatever, but at some point you realize this umpire is bigger than you expect. And with, for that reason, you have to adjust to him or else you're just letting the team down and you're not going to do anything for the team. I, the One of the worst feelings is striking out looking. Um, so that should be motivation in itself to not do it four times. But it's it's a mental lapse. And, you know, sadly, it was a game-long mental lapse where he just couldn't figure it out or make an adjustment. Um, but, you know, it is, it is good to see that it didn't really affect him in the long run. He's still coming back and then swinging the bats pretty hot right now. Starting pitching. It's it's not been good in uh, in SEC play. Um, you know, Chase Dolan is giving you something to work with. He's not pitching his best, but he's not pitching horribly. He's giving you something to work with. When Beam is not making errors, he's pitching pretty well and was phenomenal in Game Three on uh, against Florida. He wasn't even really that good in Game Three against LSU when Tennessee won big, but he was great against Florida. Chase Burns has got such great stuff. Um, you know, he he's going to be in the bigs. He's going to be a high draft pick and everything. But right now. Uh, you know, 11-plus ERA in, in SEC play. And it feels like, from Tony's comments, that, you know, maybe he's shaking off too much. Again, from your, as a hitter, and I know you're not a pitcher, but as a hitter and a guy that's been around the game your whole life, what are you seeing in Chase Burns that's kind of the issues right now? You know, it is it is so tough to say because you ask around the team, you ask the pitching guys, you ask his friends, it's like, dude, his stuff is there. The stuff isn't lacking. His fastball's not down in velo. His slider's biting still. So what's going on? And from what I've seen, the only thing is he's hanging that slider a little too much. 
and he's leaving the fastball up as well. A lot of white is being caught with both of those pitches. And with the hitters, especially uh, this year is a very offense-heavy college baseball season. Uh, these hitters can hit it, and they'll do it time and time again. And so how do you make the adjustment? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. That's a, a pitching mindset. But as far as the rotation goes, you know, I'd, I think Dolly is, is perfectly fine. You know, you see him. Um, not doing to what we all expected. However, he's still doing good enough to win uh, more games than he has. And then, of course, yeah. Beam has been the lockdown guy on Sunday. So what I think we'll see this weekend is a little mix-up from that Saturday spot. You know, maybe throw Burns uh, on the back burner, have him as a weapon out of the pen, and just filter in, you know, Lindsay or or Halvey or something just to to not only flip it up, you know, maybe get the mojo back, but give Burns – some time to really just go out there and, you know, pitch like a reliever, not think about the longevity, but just think about the pitches that he has in front of him. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show, here's kind of what I would do. Um, I spoke with, with some people very much involved in the program earlier in the week. And they said that, Hey, there, if, if that's the plan, uh, a change, it's not been made public to us yet. Uh, so a lot of things can happen as the week goes on. And so, so we'll see, and hopefully I'll learn some more information on it before you know, game one or whatever. But if you were manager, if you were Tony Vitello, and you kind of mentioned it there, kind of how would you handle uh, the, the the Saturday start for Chase Burns this week? Would you um, would you maybe start Halvey or Lindsey and then bring Chase in right behind him? Kind of how would you go about that if you were the one pulling the, pulling the punches? Yeah, so, you know, I, I love the whole Dollander-Halverson duo on Friday, but with what we got, I think you go – Dolly on Friday still have Lindsay in the back of the tank. And then that Saturday game, that's when you debut Halvey as a Tennessee starter. You know, he has plenty of experience at Missouri as a starter. He's been pitching so well as of late and you've seen him even extending uh, his normal, maybe two, one or two innings into three or four, just based on need. You know, Dolly hasn't been getting out there or has been getting out of the games fairly early and then have Burns behind him. You know, I even don't mind um, pairing, Halverson with a, a lefty and then going Burns to close it out, you know, one of those things. And then I would leave Beam back on, on Sunday. But, yeah, I think that Saturday game I would rather see Halverson-Burns than a Burns-Lindsay or a Burns-Halverson. So if you look at Tuesday's uh, midweek action, Camden Sewell, mind you, is another guy that c- could do this as well. He didn't pitch last exactly. week, and, and Sewell didn't pitch at all in the midweek. So, yeah, he's, he's arrested to go. Seth Halverson threw nine pitches on Tuesday. Um, Lindsay did not pitch on or Tuesday, I guess. Lindsay did not pitch in that game, I guess. I thought he did. There okay. were nine pitchers to pitch, so you, you you forget about some of those guys. Yeah, but there you go. Mix it in. Anyway, they're they're fresh and they're ready to go. I, I just think it's important, even if you skip a start, you, you got to keep Chase Burns active and involved because, mm-hmm. you know, the way I kind of characterize it, you want him to be starting games for you at the end of the season. And so keeping him a couple innings out of the bullpen, maybe a piggyback, whatever, and then you can slot it back in there later, maybe in a week or two. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Um Something for Dolander and his starts on Thursday, like he, he had the high pitch count and all that. He was, he was, he gave up the long ball, which is an issue, but you know, something in my opinion that kind of derailed his start was an error made by Blake Burke at first that prolonged the inning. Mm-hmm. Dolander had to face three more batters. He had to throw 16 more pitches and that just didn't really help anything out. Burke at first, first baseman to first baseman, 
what does he do well and and maybe how can he improve his defense as the year goes on because it's a little bit of an adjustment right now being the everyday first baseman yeah you know we uh we've been talking about it um it seems like it comes up every week which is not a good thing he knows how to play first base he's played first for i assume a majority of his career and then he's been around me for all of his career at tennessee and now He's been starting not only for this season, but also in fall scrimmages and spring training, all this stuff. So he should be a seasoned so-called first baseman. Um, and if you ask me before the season started, who had better hands, me or Burke, I would give it to Burke. That guy's got so much skill, talent, whatever, which is why it's it's confusing to see him not perform on the field. Um, and so it it's has to be a mental thing you know he's just not locking in on the ball when it's coming um because really you you just have to tackle it you know you, you could be a catcher at first base that's why a lot of catchers do move to first base because all you got to do is tackle the ball um and flip it over <laughs> first. so whatever he's doing um maybe just get back to the basic basics i know he's kind of like a, a flashy guy and and love that out of him but as far as defense goes it's you might as well be a robot especially over there at first base you know just get in front of it glove it and run on over there at first um but yeah it's it's definitely an issue and like you mentioned that's one thing that i've that i wanted to bring up is not only does that error snowball the inning but it snowballs the rest of the game um i know on the offensive side coach elander always tells us hey get that starting pitchers pitch count up get to the bullpen it'll help us later in the weekend that's exactly what you see other teams are doing to us and it's it's the defense's fault. They're making the errors. And so I think you see us cleaning up on defense, Dolly's pitch count lowers, and he goes longer to ball games. We have more success. It's it's all a it's all connected in that way. Luke, you played at Arkansas, I want to say was it 2019? Um, I'm gonna stop you right there. I was injured. The team gotcha. played. I had to watch on TV, sadly. That's the one place I wanted to go. So I, I guess I can't ask you the question about the environment and everything, but I can still ask you about you know these two programs. You did play against Arkansas two years ago. It was at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Teams are different, of course, but you got two skippers that don't like each other. You know, two fan bases that don't like each other. Uh, Tennessee is kind of kind of slumping right now. You know, Arkansas's top five team in the nation. Um, how should this team kind of um, kind of? deal with those emotions and, and the hype of this weekend, uh, especially in a series that's so big because you need to win this series. Yeah. So uh, the, the first thing I do want to mention is that, you know, even though I didn't go, I talked to everyone who went and they said it is unlike anything else they've ever played at because you literally can't hear yourself think they have so many people. They're so loud. They're so rowdy that you, you can't hear yourself think. And so will it play a factor? Yes, Definitely. Um, and so I'm, I'm really interested to see how they respond to that. But what I do know is that whenever Arkansas week comes up, you can sense a change in V's attitude and his demeanor because, of course, that's where he coached. That's where he's used to. Um, him and Dave Van Horn had a little scuffle last time they met up. Um, and so, you know, there's there's this heightened sense of, OK, we got to lock it in like Tony V's going to get on us if we don't. And so I think that is one thing that's going to help propel them into the weekend as opposed to maybe hinder them is that, hey, guys, you know, we're scuffling. This is a fantastic, fantastic weekend to turn it around, show everyone that we are here and that we're still good. 
um, all of this stuff. But yeah, going into um, going into that place and playing is is no easy task. And so they they really just have to stick with their plan, try to block out the noise as much as they can. But other than that, it's just go out there and play. Last thing I got for you, I know I don't expect you to be an expert on Arkansas's team right now, but seeing them play on TV a couple of times, they've dealt with some injuries on the mound, which is unfortunate for them. Um, I do think it's a good opportunity to you know work long into the counts, get into the bullpen, and and do all that because I think the pitching kind of gets worse. Very undecided of their third starter right now as well, but a lot of offense, another really, really good team, uh, top to bottom. Um, what are the challenges for Tennessee scoring off against this Arkansas team and, and kind of What's your prediction for the weekend? Um, you know, so like I said, or I, I was talking to um, Redmond yesterday, actually, and, and we both brought up how um, minus a couple of years, it seems like they never have any like dudes, dudes, you know, your blood days, um, even just like an Ivan Melendez, you know, someone or a Caglione, you know, those guys that you're like, holy moly, we got to watch out for them. They got, Wagner, who's got 12 homers, um, really good average, you know. But other than that, they're just a solid offensive team. Um, and so, you know, one through nine, they're going to give you a, a run for your money. And they're, they're, they got the ability to hit the ball out of the yard for average, all this stuff. Um, and then as far as pitching goes, I think you, you, you said it. When anyone's thin in the bullpen or even for starters, you got to capitalize. So you got to be maybe a little bit more disciplined, you know, maybe watch a pitch that you might not usually watch. Um, just to try to build those pitch counts up and win a game any way possible. Um, but, like, they're a great team, top five. They're always good, and they're playing at home, which is just something else. Luke, as always, man, I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully Tennessee has a series victory when we talk next week. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make a prediction this week because uh, they seem to do me wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we'll be talking next week, and we'll see what happens. A big thank you to Luke Lipsius as he joins us each and every week here on the porch. A big thank you to our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. You can find them online at Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Free consultation, 423-245-4185. And we will see what Tennessee number 16 does on the road at Arkansas number five this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Should be a good one. It's a big one for Tennessee. Need to win this series. And we'll recap it all right here at BallQuest.com. Guys, appreciate it. Have a great week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.